When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Craig and Katya. And you know what we want to tell them about? Hawaii Five-0 is having a sale on Pilgrim hats. That's right, and pumpernickel. <laughs> pumpernickel bread is so underrated. That's why I choose rye. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to go check out my options on patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. That's where all the relevant tea is spilled, Ooh. as it were, and not to mention certain facts that can be used as receipts upon dragging a person, Exposing. tearing off their wig, mm-hmm. um, going off, snapping. Snatching. Snatching. Absolutely. Spalding. Oh, Spalding yeah. gray her. <laughs> Drag her, monologue her. Diane Weist her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ellen barking her to death, hunty. Barbara Hershey. Oh, who Hershey? Who was she? Damn. Find out all mm. that and more on patreon.com slash Katya and Craig. Because what, what do we have there? We got the bonus episodes? We got bonus episodes. We got uh, we got extra episodes. We got exclusive episodes. We got firewall pay-through uh, non-standard uh, secret episodes. We got movie clubs. We got anti-movie clubs. Yep. We got uh, fish and chips. We got haggis. We got uh, deals and uh, deal or no deals. And we got uh, Howie Mandel's OCD uh, pay-per-view comedy hour. That's right. Absolutely. All that and more plus listen to questions. So listen, go there at the patreon.com slash Katya and Craig and enjoy yourself. So listen, why don't we get into the episode? Episode now. A Russian ballerina stopping on a bureaucrat. A perky suburban housewife who just got into scats. Give it a beep, bop, 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 bow, bop, bop, It's whimsically volatile. Sounds good? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. And, and actually, I have a little intro. Nice. Oh, pardon me. I just stepped on your foot. Mm-hmm. I'd like to step on the guest foot uh-huh. and then do the intro. And then the intro. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all genders, on this episode of Whimsically Volatile, I'm pleased to present to you the baddest bitch in the room until she moves to the next room. That's right. It's the one, the only, it's the vixen. Hello. Welcome, welcome. welcome. Thanks for coming. That's a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I love that track. It's so good. You're welcome. My only choice, I was trying to decide should I say baddest or flyest because, you know, which is... I I do bounce back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But baddest, I feel, is the most sort of comprehensive. Yeah. 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 It flies, bitch, implies that I might be a fly on the wall. And just, yeah, exactly. Someone could get confused. Right, which right? is a great concept for a music video. <laughs> Actually, just, it just is. a fly going room mm-hmm. to room. Or maybe, you know, like right when you get to that part of the song, then it switches to that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been in L.A. for uh, the whole weekend. You've had a bunch of shows. Yeah, it's been crazy. When was the last time you were in L.A.? I was here in January. I did Daddy Issues and I filmed uh, mm-hmm. Hey Queen, okay, yeah, which yeah. was fun, yeah. super fun. And yeah. so um, I always, it never fails. I come for two days and I stay for seven. It never fails. <laughs> That's the way to do it though. Yeah. Right? It's too quick otherwise. I mean, most tour times, like how often you were saying right before we started, how yeah. often are you usually in a town for? Usually 18 hours. You know, I, I barely see the bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes depending on what time the show start, I don't even see the hotel until after the show, and you know, <laughs> yeah, and, right, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, how easy is it for you to turn off the adrenaline after a show and like go to sleep? In LA, it's a lot easier because I always stock up on edibles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. Yeah, yeah, but usually I have to. 
it takes a while for me to even muster up the energy to get out of drag. I woke up with a little makeup on today. <laughs> <laughs> and then after, once I get to the hotel room and kind of decompress, some t- nights I can get a second wind if okay. I like get out of drag soon enough. And that's yeah. the trick. If you're trying to go to sleep mm-hmm. and you wash your face, you wake up. So oh, you have right. to like, I have to pace myself <laughs> to make sure that I don't wash my face too soon. And that when I do, I'm dog tired. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> just like getting it off there. Yeah. yeah. Do you do makeup wipes or, or is it the full sink? Uh, I do the wipes because the, you, I've turned too many sinks brown <laughs> in my day. <laughs> so I learned the hard way that it's better to do. And even the one thing in my rider is to have Neutrogena wipes oh, because they work good. <laughs> yeah, You know, the, the trick uh, Kader was telling me about, I can't remember which dishwashing li- liquid, Joy or something like that. Uh-huh. Just hit it and it's like off in like a second. Yeah. But you're, it's like the worst thing for your skin. Yeah, apparently. the degreaser. You should like yeah. slap yourself with Vaseline immediately <laughs> yeah, afterwards. Right, yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> Clean it off and then at full face with Vaseline. Yeah. <laughs> which is what I do. Um, so where are you headed to next? I'm going to Chicago for, actually for a show, which is very rare. I only, I typically only do uh, Roscoe's in Chicago for Black Girl Magic. Uh-huh. But I'm doing the Chicago Gay Men's Chorus this weekend. And I'm also doing Oberlin College. So this is going to be fun. So in Chicago, you only usually do the Black Girl Magic yeah, show? Yeah, that, that's my baby there. <laughs> yeah. And how long has that been running? It's, oh God, almost four years now. That's great. <laughs> it's so strange because it feels like yesterday still. <laughs> I remember you talking on the on Drag Race about the genesis of it, but if you could get into it a little bit more now, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. So um, when I started drag, there was not a lot of black drag queens who were popular or in charge. Uh-huh. And uh, slowly but surely, we all made our own way. Me, Dieteritz, Lucy Stuhl, Shea Coulee. But we noticed that we were never in the same room together. Okay. We were all we were all the black tokens at our own bars in okay, a way. Sure. Um, so we made a point to do a photo shoot together, and it felt really, really good to see people who look like you in the same room. <laughs> sure, yeah, shocker. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we started secretly casting each other in our shows, mm-hmm. and then um, I finally got the opportunity to pitch my own show to a nightclub and i just happened to put dita shay and lucy at the top of my list and they all said yes and we were like "Uh oh and so we announced that we were going to do a show together without giving it a name first okay and then uh the community started calling it black girl magic that's the best way to get a name it just happens and you can't argue with it and so we were like okay well i guess it's black girl magic it's a pretty good name yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then um it's been crazy ever since we get to do songs that we don't think that we would be able to do anywhere else. Mm-hmm. We do uh, like what, for instance, like uh, like Frankie, Beverly and Mays oh, okay, stuff yeah, that I call sure. like my mama's music. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's crazy because a lot of times we go out thinking nobody's going to know this, but I'll do it anyway. And then mm-hmm. you see people singing along because the audience has changed. Because, oh, OK, yeah, because now more people of color come out to see a Vixen show because they know that it's going to make them feel welcome and comfortable and celebrate it. So it's been a really good journey, not only for us on stage, but for the audience to like know that they're going to go somewhere and be represented. But representation is a really important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a major theme of, I guess the post drag race discussion after you left and after the reunion and everything. Yeah. And you really brought a lot of attention to certain issues yeah i really left a mark <laughs> it's like um it's like being in a fight but you should see the other guy <laughs> i was watching a video on youtube that I, i'm not sure when it was posted but it was sometime post the reunion and it was you talking about 
things that were cut out of the show, et cetera. And one thing that really kind of struck me was that the, the conversation you had with Asia wasn't the full conversation that we, or rather, we didn't see the full conversation. Right. I mean, I know the show's heavily edited, but yeah. I just, for some reason, because it was a sentimental moment, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me that maybe there was things not there. Yeah. Well, when you, when you think of um, how they kind of, how each queen has like a journey on the show, you never, you rarely see a queen leave without their story being wrapped up. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great, really good point. And yeah. so I think for the producers, it was kind of, okay, let's get Asia to kind of have like a peaceful conversation with Vixen so that we don't kick Vixen out on a sour note. My elimination episode was pretty uneventful, very calm. I left, you know, sad, but I didn't fight anybody that day, <laughs> you know, um, which I think felt good for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you mentioned in that same video also yeah. about how a lot of things became clear to you when you viewed it, especially the way you felt about maybe your own part in the fight. Right. Yeah. Especially when, cause I was the only bitch in the room uh, <laughs> who was saying what I was saying and no one was, it's, it's a weird feeling when you are speaking what you think is the truth yeah and people are staring at you and saying well you're not wrong and you're like then i'm right and they're like well i can't say you're right but you're not let's not get crazy right yeah Yeah. i can't legally say that you are correct (laughs) under the order of viacom but so i left very confused about i was like i feel right about this but no one is actually telling me that i did a good thing or a bad thing so it wasn't until i got to see the audience reaction and see that people who looked like me understood me that I was Uh like, okay, you weren't crazy. You were just the only one willing to say it. And so, yeah, I was really grateful for the audience Mm -hmm. in that. Although some of the audience, unfortunately, in the show was pretty nasty. But even even that that validated what I was talking about. You know, they, in their own way, they proved me right, which is uh, sad and scary for you to tell someone you're going to look at me racistly. And they go, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they're like that's right thank uh-huh. you for cutting uh yeah the, uh, let's little just bit out. get now, to okay. it <laughs> we love to do that so thank you for yeah. giving us the opportunity uh with uh asia i was wondering what your reaction was when you saw the reunion and after you left asia kind of had a breakdown mm-hmm. and what did you feel about that um i think i was one really relieved because asia's uh I would say that me and Asia are both queens of the same cloth where mm-hmm. we uh, started with nothing. We taught ourselves to make things, you know, yeah. like really built ourselves up. She was, when Asia was snatching crowns, she was younger than I am now, you know, like, so uh, we've both had those kind of experiences of having to prove ourselves. Sure. But I think Asia coming up in the South, she was trained to handle it a different way. I was obviously much more aggressive about it. So I think Asia always understood me. We just made different decisions on the oppression that we faced. Mm -hmm. So it was really good to see her see me with compassion and like, and I think she's always understood where I came from, but to see her like have as much fire as I did about the situation right. was really, really great. Now, uh, in terms of another queen who comes from the South, <laughs> uh, RuPaul's reaction was substantially different yeah. than Asia's. Now, what what did you think when you watched it? What do you think about it now? It's really strange. And um, the only words that I know for it is cognitive dissonance is to be able to see something that is so cut and dry and then do these like mental gymnastics to make it fit your own narrative okay sure yeah and uh because you know she says that me and her came from the same place which isn't specifically true but we both came from bad neighborhoods and Uh that type of thing so i understand that but 
to me, it's like, okay, so if you see yourself in me, why are you being so mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like if we, like, yeah. wouldn't you want to make things easier for me instead of like, like with even with Black Girl Magic, I created that show to make it easier for queens who look like me, not yeah. to make them have to go through all the same hoops that I had to jump through. And what were some of those hoops, by the way? So for people who don't know yeah. kind of what you went through in the early days or what that's like for queens yeah. uh, like you. Queens of color, you know, there's a lot of assimilation, you know, you see a lot of a lot of successful queens typically wear a lot of blonde hair and a lot of okay. white costumes and blue eye contacts uh -huh. and things like that and a lot of pop music uh, that doesn't really reflect the music that we listen to at home. Oh, and, sure, okay. And so that's what Black Girl Magic now is a show that you can do the stuff that you weren't allowed to do before. Even in Black Girl Magic, I w make it a point to at some point in the night always wear a cutoff like denim booty shorts mm -hmm. because when I started to drag in Chicago they were banned banned like you couldn't wear denim on stage and uh -huh. drag and I was like but Britney wears denim and Madonna wears denim yeah. oh but because Beyonce wears denim so it's not cute for a black girl uh -huh. there was never like a memo that went out but it was kind of considered basic for black girls to do Beyonce and I was like why and they're so, like well it's too top 40 we're trying to do different things i'm no, like no, drag doesn't like top 40 right, at all right, right now <laughs> i'm like oh excuse me just because britney and madonna and all managed to fall off and beyonce has a 20-year spotless career like just because she stayed current doesn't mean <laughs> that she's not as edgy or interesting you know? yeah um so there was all these like thinly veiled criteria for black queens that i just don't even take part in anymore but those are the types of things that black queens had to do to fit in, you know, just trying to be more and more commercial and crossover. Yeah. And now I'm just trying to create a space where we can be as authentically ourselves and be mm -hmm. celebrated for it. It is also strange, too, to think of, especially in so recently as uh, season 10 in the culture, mm -hmm. that an oppressed culture will have its own oppression within Yes. You know, I mean, it's, I guess it's an obvious thing, but it still seems kind of shocking. Yeah, you would think we'd be beyond that. But I think a lot of times people who are searching for equality are really just searching for privilege. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't want justice for all. I just want justice for me. Uh -huh. And so um, I think people forget to leave the door open for everybody. What do you think are some good things that people could do to maybe um, be more mindful of that? I think mostly be willing to be wrong mm -hmm. you know what i mean a lot of times uh people love to say to me you think you're always right and i'm like okay so tell me when and where <laughs> i was wrong let me know you know like <laughs> let's talk about it like specifics are helpful Spe yeah yeah you know like um or a lot of times i hear people say i don't always agree with vix and i'm like okay tell me the time that you didn't <laughs> so i can because then i can learn and be better about it myself and i yeah. think a lot of times when people are called out or singled out for doing something insensitive mm -hmm. you know the wall goes up because you're like no i would never okay maybe you don't intend to so right. you need to listen and hear about what you're doing that's making someone else uncomfortable sure and listen with the intent to do better mm -hmm. you know because i think we don't want to believe that we could be prejudiced or racist or ignorant sure and so we don't listen to the conversation but you could be a better person if you learn from that moment right now that's a really good point if you ask someone why or or did i say that the wrong way if someone blanches at something yeah that's a way to learn it's a teachable moment yeah yeah and i think uh we just all have to be ready to learn i 
typically i wouldn't have gotten through the past year if i wasn't as stubborn as i am but <laughs> i do i even when no one's saying it i do look at people's eyes and see it did you wince when i said that how do you you know what i mean oh sure yeah yeah and then i mean in my job it's sometimes if i'm making you uncomfortable i'm doing the right thing and so right. i have to it's a lot of gauging <laughs> yeah yeah it's a constant balancing act it seems yeah. right i'm like okay did i make a nazi uncomfortable or did i make my grandma uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference yeah, yeah i saw a freaky f- a photo on twitter the other day someone was just at like a fast food place and in front of them was a person with just an obvious swastika tattoo on them so i was leaving dc last weekend and there was a big group of kids and i was children i was like already disgusted um but then someone pointed out that they were wearing make america great again hats and they were getting on the same flight as me and great (laughs) what crossed my mind is i've seen instances where people with turbans have been turned away from flights because of ignorance and i'm like well, right now, what's on their head is making me uncomfortable. So yeah. can we get them off of this <laughs> flight? Like, Plus, it'll be a lot quieter. Right, it'll be a lot quieter. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, they all had to board in group nine and walk past me in first class. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that works out nicely. That, it, was, it was a small win, but a win. <laughs> <laughs> Take every little one and yeah. add up. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Oh, we mentioned edibles before. What's oh, your yes. favorite strain of weed? I like a sativa. I yeah. like a euphoric moment yeah. um, because I'm usually hopped up on caffeine. So uh-huh. it takes a lot to bring me down. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, any good gummy chocolate. Yeah. I don't like to I don't like to carry actual weed because, you know, it's not legal in Chicago. Yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Candy, so though. Candy. It's hard to, yeah, yeah. I keep I keep a lot in my Altoid box. <laughs> <laughs> I got a sweet tooth. What yeah, do you well, want? I just like <laughs> sugar. OK. And no one questions that. <laughs> right. No, exactly. I love Jasmine's trick. I think she had like regular gummy bears or gummy worms or mm-hmm. something and then like the special ones uh-huh. uh, and th- I don't I can't remember how she differentiated which ones were which and snuck them into drag race but then was like incredibly high on edibles during the, one of the first challenges so it kind of maybe backfired yeah I could <laughs> I, I had I had to pre-approve caffeine pills for the show oh wow so caffeine pills you're that into caffeine yes wow okay well, i just thought maybe it was a coffee all day or something but no because i'm i'm an ex-barista and so i used oh, to wow. do okay. i used to do coffee all day and then but you do a latte or whatever and you end up drinking tons of milk and sugar yeah, totally and so i switched to caffeine pills because i can drink them with a bottle of water and it's still it's only equal to a cup of coffee yeah. so i'm not like i'm not on speed i'm not jesse yeah. spano or anything. <laughs> but yeah it it's it keeps me from drinking sugar and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so so you never developed a taste for americanos i did uh-huh. i did but you know you're still spending especially i remember i used to live across the street from a starbucks oh, forget so about it yeah. it was like spending ten dollars a day for <laughs> i was like or having Red Bull cans lining my living room. And still it. with Red Bull, it's like spending yeah. like 330 or something. 330. Each. And yeah, then yeah. the sugar and the guarana and oh, everything yeah. in your body is like, so I've water and caffeine strictly. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Keep yeah. it simple. Yeah. In terms of alcohol and stuff, do you, do you drink? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I drink. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't get me wrong. The, I inter- certainly... the inner me got really excited about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I typically, I'm a, you know, I've, whittled it down to being able to drink a vodka soda i could not imagine that when i was 21 i was like what monster drinks <laughs> just water and vodka because the first time you taste a vodka soda you're like this is a blunt instrument yeah it's meant for destruction yeah i, I can't get and i can't get into this guy. right and you know three years later i was like you know what keep all the sugar in there i do enjoy my favorite 
cocktail is a uh, cucumber effin with lemonade. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah cucumber nice. anything is is a solid choice. Yeah, yeah, and you, it makes your breath fresh throughout the night. You Perfect. keep going. Yeah, <laughs> but after that fourth one, you can get a little tart. <laughs> <laughs> you can have too much cucumber. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you'd like to keep the sugar low, as as do I. What are some of your favorite road foods then? Because it can be tricky sometimes to eat well on yeah. the road. Well, I am a big fan of gluten-free gummy bars made by Black Forest. Uh-huh. Uh, they are gluten-free, sugar-free, fat-free. Oh. Um, I'm sure they're basically pork, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my big go-tos. I do like trail mix because yeah. I don't eat enough meals a day, so that's like a good way to have like a little extra protein. They're good on uh, planes as well. Yeah. Mix. I always try to get a bag before, especially when you're doing overnight flights, because uh-huh. sometimes the staff All the just restaurants are closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, Gummy bears and trombinks are my like breakfast of champion. <laughs> and then I do I do eat good. That was one yeah. thing that I needed drag race money for because I have always had an expensive appetite. I love salmon. I love the, a, same here. I mean, I just had salmon. Yeah, before the <laughs> a good medium rare steak. You know, like, same here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and anything that comes with a side of asparagus or sauteed spinach, I'm mm-hmm. all about it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I ha- I knew that I would one day have to afford the life i became accustomed to (laughs) do you cook at all i do i'm getting better i just got my own place in november oh congratulations thank you and uh i was really not thinking about the kitchen and my mom was like you need a big pot and a little pot i was like no i don't (laughs) really (laughs) i promise i won't uh but eventually we had a polar vortex in chicago and i knew that i wouldn't be able to leave the house for a few days so I got some groceries and, you know, my sautéed Spanish holds up and my Alfredo and I'm really good. I make really good Spanish rice. Mm. It's good to have a few like solid things that you can rely on. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at cooking again Mm because I'm I'm too into getting Postmates. Yeah, me too. Yeah, especially when I can be like, well, the salmon, that... I, I don't want right. to go get the make the salmon. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> right. Yeah, I've got, then I got to clean the salmon. And, yeah, yeah. The a, whole it's a whole thing. And right. then if your apartment traps the cooking smell, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I got an Instapot. Yeah, and I barely used it. So hopefully <laughs> by the six month mark of having yeah. it, I'll, I'll use You'll it. You'll yeah. find like there'll be those go to things that you can make without. I factor in time and effort and I'm like, I'd rather just pay someone else to do it. Yeah, see, I've been doing that too and it made me feel better about it because I felt like a little just, not, I guess gross. Like I was like, I'm ordering a lot, but then if I'm yeah. editing all day or whatever, yeah. if we have a bunch of tapings, right? then I'm like, okay, well, I don't have time to... Right, yeah. I can't be my own maid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like the last time I made chicken salad, it took me too long and uh-huh. also and then i was like i could have done a bunch of work and now i have that work to do yeah i right <laughs> you could have been working while someone else was cooking yeah yeah exactly right or like walk down the street for five minutes get a nice little bit of fresh air go yeah. to gelson's and get some of their chicken salad yeah. yeah i'm very much that there's a uh there's a nice deli underneath my building and so that's amazing <laughs> but even sometimes the walk to the deli i'm like oh, i wish i could just call someone to bring me something from my own lobby <laughs> <laughs> someone i taped with in new york sandwich i was telling a story about someone did that it was a starbucks in the same building mm-hmm. and they just i was i guess they were hungover yeah and they had it oh yeah up. yeah uh, a lot of times if i wake up hungover i'll call my assistant to mm-hmm. come to my house and get Gatorade from my own building and bring it up. Because I can't make it down the elevator. <laughs> you need a system. You know, yeah. you need a system. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, do you drink at the gigs? And if you do, what's your system for doing that? I mostly do college gigs, so there's okay. not a lot of drinking going on. Yeah. Um, if there's a nightclub situation, three is like the cap, maybe a shot with that. Even last night at Mickey's, I was like, after that second shot, I was like, all right, that's we're gonna wrap it up for now. <laughs> yeah, I try not to. Um, I don't like performing drunk 
or high yeah 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 <laughs> can be because t- my perception of time changes and oh, so i'm yeah. like am i spending a long time in this corner it's too much like the number is five minutes but for me it was an eternity yeah so, exactly so i try not to um after the show I'm, I'm good for an after party i love i can stay up all night and do yeah. that but yeah i try to be on my best behavior during the show and what were the shows that you did this weekend you did a bunch with morgan mcmichaels yeah uh-huh. so i started i was here to do ucla they had a great pride week and mm-hmm. then we did um evita which oh, was right. amazing yeah and then morgan brought me to hamburger mary's in ontario and then i did the vip in riverside i think and then next we were in palm springs mm-hmm. and i did toucan and got to see ross's bubbly brunch how was that it was really good yeah. uh jessica wild was there delta work great show and then last night we did mickey's <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh eight, eight yeah. shows in like five days <laughs> not bad what's your schedule like when you get back when i get back one a day i typically only do weekends and then uh-huh. i do black or magic is every third wednesday mm. in chicago and so i typically go and do colleges on the weekend and then do my own during the week because it's a monthly show i like to spend the month preparing so i always make like a big opening costume yeah. and like props and stuff for the show. So I like to be at home whittling away and making new stuff. Yeah. Did you find it difficult to pace yourself after the show? Offers are coming in yeah. and it's a hard, it's a hard thing to refuse money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm definitely still learning when to say no to things. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, if it's just logistically a nightmare, that's when yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna, if there's if there's three layovers, I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Things yeah. get a lot less appetizing when yeah. that happens. But directly after the show, it was like, yes, I'll send me everywhere. I wanna try all the things. And then we did a tour, and the tour ended the day that DragCon started in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and then right from DragCon, I started my college tour, so I was, up until December, I hadn't been home for more than like three days in a row. Wow. And yeah. then so this year, so thank God that there's been five more seasons of Drag Race since I was on. <laughs> uh, so I've been able to balance it out more and make it count when I perform. Yeah, they really are going crazy with the scheduling. Like, what was there a week between All-Stars, the last yeah. All-Stars and the new season? It really yeah. gives a head spinner. Yeah. yeah. Even, uh, even All-Stars 3, I remember the end of their last episode, the commercial for our first episode oh. came out. <laughs> it's like, oh. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, which means that we're doing something right. No, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's solid. I think they just filmed the UK yeah. edition, right? UK and Thailand is kicking ass. Oh, I, got, I have beyond. to watch that. I saw a couple clips. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. It's, and they're on two seasons. And so they... Oh, that's right. And they're miles, miles ahead of us in drag. Uh-huh. They're just way better. <laughs> <laughs> they just do it better. <laughs> do you have any favorites on the new season? Of Drag Race? Yeah. I am Team Evie. I'm so in love with Evie. Yeah. Evie, Akira, of course, Vanjie. Sure. Um, yeah. I love people who are gritty and honest and that their drag comes from an organic place and they're not trying to duplicate any character. Yeah. I feel like Evie is uh, very authentic and just raw. Did the way you watch the show change after yes. you were on? Yeah. Um, I don't watch it at all. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. You know, I was curious about that because yeah. I mean, even though a lot of great things came out of the yeah. way you handled the upset or the, you know, whatever yeah. happened, yeah. I can imagine that it's still a bit of, of a triggering it, it's, thing. It's, it's traumatic. And, um, that's actually the word I was going to yeah. use. No, it's feel free. Uh, 
I tried to watch All Stars, and every once in a while, I'd see something with the edit or the camera would jump in a way that didn't make sense, and I'm just too aware of it now. It makes it hard to enjoy, and then just seeing the workroom sometimes is stressful. Or uh, yeah, you know, they had this season eleven. They had a lot of challenges that just I would have walked out. I wouldn't have made it. Through. You know, like you save you all some time. I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah, you want me to do a spoof episode on Black Panther? No, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm not doing a Trump musical. Never. You would never have gotten me in the room for that. You never would have. I would have boycotted. They would. They would have had to fly a new girl out. That was like episode three. They would have yeah. been like, well. I know you girls met Vixen. You never saw her before. They would have had to start all yeah, over. Yeah, we have a new, yeah. Yeah. Um, you have mentioned before that you feel that the show should improve on its uh, challenges to include to include challenges that are more welcoming, is it, to yeah. the people of color? Yeah, because when you think about it, in the last couple of seasons, we've had more than four or five queens of color, Yeah, uh, especially black queens, and then the challenges are madonna runways and share runways and it's like sure. so you're putting the majority at a disadvantage and it also says something to the little kids that are watching who are seeing people who look like them not fit in in this world that isn't built for them yeah it's it's just i think we have to think about the implications of all of that the more especially the more popular we become the influence is there and it does shift the culture in a way and mm-hmm. so you really do have to be thoughtful about how you do that um yeah i don't think it helps anybody to uh bring on five queens of color and then treat them as inadequate you know it's like sure it's a thinly veiled oh look what we did except we're not gonna you know we had uh even our top four song for season 10 was i am american just like you too how tone deaf is that (laughs) in in 29 in this economy no i was like okay yeah, I, that's another episode I wouldn't have been able to get through because I've, <laughs> nah, this is a non-starter. So do you think that RuPaul might want to be a little bit better at listening to criticisms like this? Because I think that when Courtney raised some of these issues, yeah. shortly after that, RuPaul unfollowed Courtney. And it seems like maybe there's a little resistance there. Now, I don't know if that's total. Maybe it had to do with other things, but... I Well, I mean, in what... like. In what way is RuPaul unfollowing? So I feel like if you follow, you should just because that's gonna it's gonna gain attention in any way, right? But also, if you're mad at someone, don't block them or whatever. Just let it be. Yeah, they, let them see all your shit too. All right, yeah, <laughs> that's really how you do it. Uh, not that I follow that rule at all. <laughs> Are you a blocker? Oh, I'm a blocker. Well, mostly just for my own self care. If like if somebody's taking me out of my character and making me that upset then that's when i like well that makes sense yeah. right or now i like the mute function the mute function is great yeah and it's on instagram too which yeah. is great yeah i sometimes feel like i'm living in a bubble because there'll be comments that i don't see and people responding to things that i don't see oh yeah and that I'm is like, yeah i'm like well someone said something but i'm not clicking that <laughs> yeah. it is good though when you you almost like pre-read stuff. Mm-hmm. You're just like, uh, nope, not not for me. Yeah. yeah. Did you struggle with that at first though? Because I mean, I Definitely. can imagine it's tri- tricky. Yeah. I didn't. I only learned about the muted words on Twitter this year, mm-hmm. and it's been life changing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the original question, I think de- definitely if Rue wants Drag Race to say this iconic thing that is a voice for the people, you have to listen to the people, and you know, um, kind of engage with. Uh, the audience in a way that is for the betterment. 
drag race is a leader in the queer community and yeah. uh so i think as a leader you have to be very intent on guiding us in the right direction i hear a lot of people say that you know just the act of being in drag is a political act in itself yeah that's not enough when we got a reality <laughs> star in the white house you know you gotta like I, my response to that is yeah and then throw a brick like you can't uh -huh. you put on your lashes and then you go punch a nazi you know <laughs> you don't pat yourself on the back for wearing drag especially in our tax bracket you know yeah you did drag to be brave now you did drag to make money <laughs> like, now go do something for your community uh and so i think we have to stop letting ourselves off the hook by being just enough or just chipping away because sure. if you're if you're like it's almost like we're stuck in the age of gay is okay it's not brave to say that i'm here and i'm queer anymore like we're beyond that point uh -huh. we have gay people running for president right now you know right. like we're beyond that point now we have to get more specific about what we want and what we need as a people and uh i think in Rue's case, she's still patting herself on the back for employing drag queens, uh -huh. <laughs> which is like, yes, but, you know, even with Black Girl Magic, you know, like, yes, I'm creating jobs for other queens, but they are also contributing to my legacy by sure. being involved with it. Yeah. So do you find that you have to keep on top of that as well for yourself? Yeah, I def there's definitely times where... I feel like you ingrates, <laughs> you know, when you're trying to get the show started on time yeah. and somebody's late and you're like, I did this for you. But at the same time, when I see the girls on stage and when we get everybody up on callbacks, I'm so grateful that they rise to the occasion for yeah. me because, you know, like, yes, I created the opportunity for them, but if they didn't show up and show out, we wouldn't have a second show or a Sure, third. certainly. And same with Drag Race. If we didn't go through all the loops that we had to we wouldn't have emmys we wouldn't have 10 seasons we right. wouldn't have all, you know that takes a lot of sacrifice from all the queens uh one of my favorite things that i'm noticing now is you know all of these queens we spend a very short amount of time trying to put together our best drag for this show yeah uh and you know try to have all these different looks nothing is the same everything is different <laughs> silhouettes and everything and i've seen now rue wear the same dress in about four different occasions <laughs> and i'm like you're making millions of dollars an episode you gotta you can't be recycling drag lady <laughs> like your emmy dress can't be your all-stars dress and your season 10 judging dress you gotta we see that uh -huh. you know and and i think if uh, Rue Girl was to wear the same shoes twice in the same month on an episode, there'd be a Reddit report and we'd be, <laughs> you know. And so it's things like that where you really have to lead by example. Mm -hmm. oh, and it's also good to always keep your standards high. Yeah. Even now I find myself, if I feel like I'm phoning it in for even a second, I get very nervous because then I worry about the people watching me starting to phone it in and so then i the next black girl magic is very elaborate and, very, and i'm like you bitches better wake up because just because i took a nap doesn't mean you can't i just get sleepy and now we're back now we're yeah. back and this is what i expect from you do you find yourself nervous before a show before black girl magic i am only worried about the turnout okay so, <laughs> no i know what you as mean. a yeah. show producer well, sure. yeah yeah so once i get on stage and i i count the heads in the room i'm fine okay, <laughs> as right. long as i know that everybody's getting paid i'm good yeah uh and then at other gigs i'm typically very in control of the energy yeah uh and I guess that's that goes into the songs that I chose. And as long as I know that there is a turnout and that that I can do my job, I don't really get nervous. I just yeah. 
once the music starts, I feel very in control of the situation. Yeah. And uh, even at the deadest show, you know, I have a lot of tricks in my bag. I can get the energy where I want it. Sure. So I don't get nervous at other shows. I get nervous at Black Girl Magic because I want it to be good every time. Absolutely. And it's a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but really all that takes is for people to show up because yeah. the queens are going to do their job. I'm going to do my job. I have so much fun hosting. Mm -hmm. It's Black Girl Magic is the one place that you can see me just happy <laughs> you know a lot of times you see me very serious about things and i do i tackle some serious subjects in black girl magic but uh a lot of my friends tell me that it's the one place that they see me just joyful because mm -hmm. i just get to celebrate what i do when is it held during the month uh third wednesdays of every month third at, wednesdays at every roscoe's month. yeah yeah now i was wondering about the nervousness just because i was reading some stuff recently about uh, attachments people have to their work now mm -hmm. there's something like three different kinds like a nervous attachment i can't remember what the second one is but then there's like a serene or calm attachment where it's you sort of realize that wait this is what i do mm -hmm. so this is what i do like yeah. it's not like it's not like i've been doing something for four years very well and then suddenly today it's all going to go to hell because people can get sometimes in, a, in that oh, mindset yeah. you know a lot of my friend uh uh t-rex in chicago she's pinned it as uh imposter syndrome yes yeah where you're like they're gonna find out today's gonna be the day that they realize you're a phony <laughs> and i definitely have had that but it's typically more my social media i'm like one of these days you're gonna say something that is just <laughs> you know you're always so sure of yourself when you speak and one day it's just gonna come out wrong oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which i've had and I've bounced back from, so I feel a little bit better. <laughs> but uh, and everyone has bad days. Everyone so. has bad days. Uh, but and I think even with performing, I've my track record is good enough where I trust myself to yeah to wiggle with it and go with the flow. And like if somebody, if someone's too drunk on stage, we're gonna have fun with that. If somebody <laughs> is rude, we're gonna make fun of them, and the audience is gonna kick them out. And you know, uh, so I've I have a long enough track record of making it work yeah. that I don't worry as much. Yeah. My only anxiety about performing or about my drag persona is being understood or misunderstood. And so mm -hmm. I'm always worried about is the message coming across clearly? Is this number too abstract? Is this number too on the nose? Is it too <laughs> soon? Because I, I tackle a lot of deep things in a club setting and so I have to try to make sure that I make it entertaining sure. while making you think and feel something and that I if I take you to a dark place do I bring you back out of it or right. do I leave you there <laughs> right so you do feel responsibility yeah. uh, for the audience yeah yeah. and I, I try to think of it all as just energy I want people to leave feeling good I want people to feel good while they're there and feel like they're getting something yeah and feel like they're getting something it's almost like Black and Magic is like being at church you feel like I'm here to release my stress i'm here to address my stress and then yeah. when i walk away i'm gonna have less stress to deal <laughs> right which, um, or you at least feel empowered enough to handle it in the real world which, which is really the ultimate aim of all art yeah you know just finding a way to deal with life yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. now when did you start drag i started in I started lip syncing in 2013 i've been a androgynous little cross-dresser since uh, I was probably a junior in high school when I started like really wearing heels and playing with it. And so uh -huh. that was like 2007. Mm -hmm. So I've been like on a little androgynous journey. Mm -hmm. And then the more I got into drag, I noticed the less my male persona needed to 
play. So oh, okay. Now yeah. I still I still you can see me now. I'm like in galaxy jeans. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is great. We'll take photos too before the yeah. before you go so, so everyone can see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still very I guess flamboyant about yeah, the way sure. I dress. Those are great shoes. What kind of shoes are those? Uh, these are loafers. I think they're Sam Edelman. But I got uh -huh. them on Amazon. You know. Um, oh, that's cool. I'm still about. Uh, I like to pick out cool things yeah and i don't care what it costs you know what i mean like it doesn't have to if you're doing it right it'll look expensive anyway yeah exactly and so yeah, yeah. My, my favorite thing is to tell people how cheap my right yeah it's great to like discuss someone with like no i got this for like ten dollars yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like everyone in the room is looking but yeah. I, i'm i'm wearing trash i promise you <laughs> yeah and because and that even that is like a good message to be because a lot of people feel like they can never have this lifestyle because they can't afford it that's true and yeah. i'm i do not spend more than i spent two years ago on clothes you know like mm -hmm. maybe for drag because mm -hmm. the expectation is so much higher sure it's also essentially a business expense you know you're yeah. buying business materials yes right? and after yeah. having done my taxes i am so happy <laughs> <laughs> I, I was worried because the income was there and then i was like okay but i also spent a lot so <laughs> right so get right. off my back okay cool <laughs> that was that was a great learning experience i was like okay so investments pay off <laughs> in a right way. exactly yeah. yeah i'm just getting into that with like a business manager and stuff yeah. like that which is great and um i'm like okay because you get nervous you're like yeah. okay am i screwing up am i spending too much am right I, am i losing my head you yeah know? but then also you have to um take care of yourself and that also sometimes means treating yourself to things yes which and for me it's food like i was saying before i yeah. love to eat good same here especially because it's a very personal thing nobody else gets to enjoy it. i try not to take pictures of my food a lot. <laughs> you know like i eat for my own enjoyment and yeah. like that's my own nourishment and uh you know, you go on vacation and you take a hundred selfies and it's like, it, this might as well be work because it's a social media <laughs> blitz or whatever. But when I, when I treat myself and eat good and stuff like that, I feel like it's personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else do you do for just personal enjoyment, things like that? Do you like to read or go to the movies? Like uh, I do. I love movies. I love, I love Marvel movies. So it's been a really good year for me. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Excited for the new Avengers then? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm excited and nervous. And this year in general is just great for television. Game of Thrones is giving me life. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was high the other night and I watched uh, Game of Thrones and it was a terrible episode because <laughs> uh, spoiler alert nobody dies in the episode but I'm waiting the whole time I'm like there's gonna be an arrow coming at us I, so the whole episode I'm just paranoid <laughs> all the way to the end and I was like oh crap yeah so uh, but yeah I like I like action movies and stuff like that which is very cathartic uh Listening to Hamilton makes me cry in an unhealthy way. Oh, yeah. So I do it when I need to cry. Sure, no, that's a good thing. Yeah. I love my go-to things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, the, the reliables that will yeah. always do it. Like uh, the poster behind you, Hedwig. I'll, mm -hmm. Every time I see it, at least once or twice. Maybe yeah. three times. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, I'm always embarrassed at how emotional I am about something <laughs> I've heard a million times before. Uh, and then I, this last year, I took my mom and her husband to go see... Hamilton oh, cool. live in Chicago. Yeah. And you know, it was a nice fun outing and two songs in I'm like turning away because I'm just, I'm just a puddle of yeah. mess. Yeah. And like I didn't and I didn't want to have to explain to my mom why it meant so much. I'm just like I don't know, it just hits the strings, right? Yeah, yeah. No, my mom knows now. Like she took me when I think when I was 21 or 22 to see Elton John. Uh -huh. And like I don't know, like the second or third cry, she was like, are you all right? Right. <laughs> and it, I was like, no, it's good. It, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, it just, 
brings up emotions that yeah. you don't really get to tap into. So yeah, whenever I feel clogged in that way, uh-huh. and a lot of times, uh, especially working as a public figure, I think uh, there's a lot of times where you can't react. Oh sure, yeah. And those like get bottled up, and you kind of get uh, constipated in a way. <laughs> sure. And so sometimes I'll have this like lingering sadness that I can't remember where it came from. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't remember who did something to but it's still in there it's in the jar and you're like so i'll listen to something that'll help me get that emotion out the worst is when you wake up and you have Mm -hmm. that lingering thing and you're like nothing happened yesterday yeah fuck yeah but it's it's because you pushed it down in the moment (laughs) that's right and it's and now it's coming back up and you're like i don't even remember why i was this upset about something (laughs) (laughs) um hey can i can i ask you a question are you gay? Oh, okay. I mean, gay is okay, but, you know, queer is better. My name is Casey Spooner, and I'm running for president. In the video, also, you mentioned microaggressions. Yeah. And I really like the way that you break down a lot of the things that happened on season 10, because I think a lot of that applies to life in general. Mm-hmm. You were talking about your interactions with Eureka post the show. Yeah. And you explained this scenario where when people you don't really want to be around force you into being nice or uh-huh. playing along with their game yeah. in public, because if you don't, then you're the bad guy. Yes. And I think yeah. we've all been there. Do you have any advice for people on how to handle that sort of thing? I think what, I wish I had the energy or strength to do it in the moment was say, hey, she's bothering me. <laughs> yeah, right. Can anyone <laughs> please make it stop? <laughs> and there was, I was, I got lucky and we were doing a show in Boston over the summer and it was one of the first times that me and her were in the same room Mm -hmm. and there was other season 10 queens and they got to see how you know the elephant excuse the pun but the elephant in the room was there everybody knew that neither one of us needed to and so it just felt very bizarre for everyone to see her trying to strike up a conversation with me when clearly you shouldn't be and so I would just make eyes with everyone else and be like, are you, are you seeing this? Are you, is, is, are you witnessing what yeah. I'm... And that kind of helped me like shed it because then people kind of got, oh, yeah, she definitely is not respecting your boundaries there. Because it's hard for people to see that because everyone, I think, wants to ascribe high intentions or good intentions yeah. to people. And if someone's appearing friendly or mm-hmm. appearing cheerful, yeah, it's very hard, especially when you're kind of drowning inside. It's, it's very insidious to... Yeah. Um, to come to walk up to your enemy with a smile and demand to have lunch and you're like (laughs) i don't want to well why don't you because i don't like you but i'm being nice but you're not always nice (laughs) like like, yeah Yeah. and so nice now won't fix the other feelings right yeah yeah especially if you haven't worked to address those or apologize in any way and now you're just forcing me to deal with your you know it's like it's like you slapped me in the face and then you said let's go to lunch and it's like I don't I don't want to sit with you. <laughs> yeah. Again the cognitive dissonance thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like some people even when they attack you they want you to forgive them on their time and it's like in their terms. Yeah. yeah. And for me I'm 
I'm a grudge holding motherfucker. <laughs> so it takes it takes a while for me to shed that. But the best thing to do is to give me the space to do it. And sure, to, yeah. So I can see you as a person again instead of the enemy. <laughs> right, especially if they're because if they're not respecting your feelings, right? Then it, it that wound never heals because you you keep poking at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you had to deal with that sort of thing outside the show as well? Uh yeah, on a lot of occasions. Yeah. Um, I've kind of gotten better at it, but it took a lot of mishaps for me to realize that you know how we're i was talking about before like when you push something down it just comes back absolutely yeah and i think on the show i did a good job of reacting in the moment and that kind of gave me a little bit more sanity to go because i wasn't taking bottling it in bottling it in uh we talk about um do you die on the sword or do you die by a thousand little cuts and you know i died on the sword every time (laughs) (laughs) you know and when i think about touring now you know a lot of had i bit the bullet and played the game a little bit better and ended up in the top five i would have been on tour for eureka for almost a year oh that's right and that would have killed me in a completely different way (laughs) so it uh so in a lot of ways it worked out for the best because i got to go places on my own terms and experience it with people i liked and yeah but i could have been in a room full of people who had betrayed me (laughs) and And reliving the trauma yeah every day or every week and having to be in these beautiful places acting like i'm enjoying it that would have killed there's nothing worse by the way yeah Yeah. i've been on vacations with people i don't like it it ruined rome for me i'll tell you (laughs) it ruined rome (laughs) so yeah it doesn't so i i much rather would be the person who addresses the hurt and the situation and who's to say you know at the end of the day you're you're traveling the world but you're doing it with people you can't say. i don't know if that is that a win for you even if i'm in the smallest town if i'm doing it if i'm doing what i love with people that i like i feel like that's a win i think that's a win and also you're able to have the food that you like yes, at any given time get to eat good yeah <laughs> before you were on the show who were your favorite queens uh, I'll say it every time, Tyra Sanchez. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she always comes to mind. Of course, Shea Coulee, Kimchi, all the Chicago queens, really. Dita's freaking beast. I love anybody who can rise to the top with very limited supplies. So people like Sharon, people like Dita, yeah, anyone who like really made things. Lanesha Sparks mm-hmm. is a great example of somebody who was very talented. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of politics in those types of things. I always feel for. Any queen who was on the show and a language barrier had to do oh, with sure. a reason. I, yeah. I, hate yeah. the, I hate that concept and that trope. Don't cast people if you're not going to celebrate them as mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was always a big fan of queens who made their own stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that reminds me of when you took Justifiable Offense to the Crafty Queens yeah. thing. Yeah, because With, it's like a it's sort it's, of a it's, backhanded... Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. backhand. And um, ugh, that whole... That whole uh, instance where Eureka was trying to jump into me and Monique's conversation is also kind of a microaggression because here it is two black queens just trying to push each other after our critiques just being like yeah you gotta go and then here comes this girl who's like yeah and me too no we're we're, (laughs) let us let us have this moment you know yeah and that's why black girl magic is important is because we don't get to um be alone in the dressing room a lot oh you know? yeah sure uh back in the day whenever me and shay would be in alone alone in the dressing room for two seconds we were like girl so <laughs> the yeah. manager walk in and we get real quiet and you know <laughs> so it's important to have those spaces to just connect with somebody who's going through the same thing in the same way as you and uh if you're the type of person who sees 
two people connecting and you feel the need to interject, that says something about you as well. Sure, I get you completely on that. Uh, yeah. There was a there was a time where I could I could count it on my hand. I could be talking to my assistant who was Mexican or the manager of the bar who was white or anything like that and have no problem. The second I started talking to another black queen, someone was always tapping me on my shoulder. Hey, what's going on over here? Really? None of your business. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, people had no problem interrupting to black people. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. I see what you mean. Okay. And yeah. I see that sometimes in like stores or in lines where, you know, there'll be, there'll be a line and then there'll be a, people need to pass through the other way. And I've noticed that if there's a black person in front of me and a white person behind me, they're going to go through the two black people and not through them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you're not going to inconvenience. Uh -huh. And it's, it's little subliminal things like that, that um, I'm way too aware of and can't enjoy anything in life. <laughs> uh, uh, and so sometimes I try to tune those things out, but um, those types of things are the microaggressions that people don't realize affect us every day some people don't even know the phrase microaggression yeah. that well and i think the, the, knowing how to term things i, f I find helps so yeah. much yeah that was something uh that i'm proud of doing on drag race was introducing these new phrases that kind of give the queens of color uh an armor to say okay now you're gaslighting me okay that's tone policing you know those were words that weren't around in season nine and so yeah. um Plus, gaslighting is a good concept for everyone to be familiar with yeah. because people fucking do it a people lot. People do it so much. Yeah. Um, now, I'm so used to identifying and addressing these things that when I see those types of people, I'm like, oh, you're a monster. <laughs> you're like, it's like, ooh, we, we got to get a cage. Like, oh. Uh, um, it's like, it's it's almost like reading an aura <laughs> i'm yeah. like whoa you're coming in red hot yeah how quick is it that you can read someone's energy because i feel like i'm pretty good with it but people slip through you know uh, what i mean yeah the ones that slip through though they hurt the most that's true <laughs> that's uh, very true very true because <laughs> yeah. you were like i wasn't paying attention yeah. they, they got in there and oh my god everything's ripped up now right yeah uh i'm typically really really good and it's it's because i you know, it seems guarded, but I try not to be guarded, but I try to just be as aware as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, if I go into a dressing room and I can tell that someone, we call it Shark Week, when someone's <laughs> circling me but speaking to everyone but me. Oh, And I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, the headliner yeah, yeah. of the show. You know who I am. You're, you, but you want to play it cool. Like, so I instantly, I don't give that person attention. I'm like, you clearly are gonna suck the life out of me once you get That's the chance. Right. Yeah. So most of the times I'm protecting my own aura in that way and like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm getting a bad vibe over here. We're not gonna give them too much. We're not, and when I get to a show, my goal is to have a good time. Yeah. And so anything or anybody that I feel like is gonna be going down, take me down a road that's not gonna lead to a good time, yeah. I just avoid them and build up the walls. Uh, I'm really good at like, clocking bullshit from a distance <laughs> yeah. so that and like a lot of times my friends would be like hey let's hang out with these guys and i'm like no and they're like what i'm like well he's drunk we're not from here <laughs> you know? oh, right like yeah like let's add it up how do you think it's gonna end <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like no i'm good yeah, yeah yeah i think i'll just go home yeah yeah and um and there's sometimes where i'm like okay you seem sober and reliable and okay i'll deal with you and then if that goes sour then i'm like god damn it yeah yeah, yeah. I know you, they're kicking yourself for yeah. like being like i should have known I, right yeah 
especially if I'm the one who's always so on it, yeah. when anything slips through the cracks, I'm like, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> but we always have to cut ourselves slack for that because yeah. again, we're all only human. Yeah. And also sometimes, you know, you, you want to see the better in, in right. someone or some situation. Yeah. And also when you go, I shouldn't be so sour about everything right, yeah you know and then the one time you're not so yeah. sour and it just you just bury i'm going to be a hermit one day just you'll just bury yourself so deep the salmon being delivered uh, yeah that was me uh so after we got eliminated from drag race we weren't allowed to be out in public until oh, right. everyone was out in public uh -huh. how long so for me it was two weeks okay it was two weeks uh, until i could like be on social media again or uh -huh. even and i live in a gay neighborhood so i really couldn't go outside so i was just postmates every day <laughs> and hoping that the delivery guy wasn't gay <laughs> like, please don't know <laughs> like i i even got to my house and came in through the back way because my doorman was gay and he would have figured it <laughs> so i was just like i don't want anyone to know i'm home yeah like uh yeah Self-care is probably going to be like my thesis statement of 2019. It's just um, not only like pampering your body, but looking at things from a distance and saying, that's going to be a headache later. I'm going to go in this direction. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, the reason that I'm not watching Drag Race, I watch like the clips on Instagram. Mm -hmm. and stuff. The reason I'm not watching it so closely is when I see things that get me really fired up and I want to comment on them, then so now i've commented on now i got to deal with hundreds of fans responding to right. it and that's not fair to me who really just wanted to sleep in the first place <laughs> that's a really good point and, yeah. and, and you're 28 right yeah so it's a really remarkable thing that you're this aware of what triggers you yeah you know and all these things because it often takes people a lot longer mm -hmm. in life to like uh, arrive at that so that's like a really that's a really impressive thing thank you yeah, yeah. sure especially because it's like what do they call the devil's candy that's like a yeah. euphemism for drugs but i think yeah. really today it's social media because the instant yeah uh, the it, instant response and stuff like, yeah. a lot of times i find myself spending the whole day on twitter and not talking to anybody that i actually know and i'm like what was that that like i have real friends let me go <laughs> why am right. i dealing with these strangers yeah uh so i've tried to get better about that and um yeah just trying to avoid you know like it's not my job to chase down every episode of drag race to point out every microaggression i'm not going to make that no. my career right because yeah. that can that's its own pitfall yeah you know, that's its own rabbit hole of like being the police of yeah the appropriate behavior yeah. or something yeah right I'll, i mean i'll have a lot of material to go off <laughs> of but it's like it's kind of like being a comedian when there's a bad president you know like you got a lot a lot of yeah or like well i guess the best example would be a dumb president so you think that's of, true yeah like, it's way better because you can just goof on him constantly right yeah. so like we haven't really had that since george w bush where we were just like <laughs> He's an idiot and it's funny. And then we had Obama and it was like, okay, and now we have an idiot, but it's not funny. It's really not funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard to laugh about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you grew up, you said you came from a lower economic situation. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that a little about what it was like growing up? The good thing is that my mom was always working on the come up. My mom had me when she was 19. Mm -hmm. And so we started off in like a small, I think it was not even small it was a three-bedroom apartment but there was my grandmother my mom and my uncle and me in yeah. a, a three-bedroom apartment and then i grew up on inglewood chicago mm -hmm. and so um you know there's always police lights and shootings i knew what guns looked like way too early <laughs> and but my mom always preached to me about staying out of trouble i was one of those kids who 
if I saw an older cousin get into trouble for doing it, you could guarantee that I would never get in trouble for that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I would always get in trouble for very bizarre things. <laughs> because it'd be like, well, you didn't make a rule about that. How <laughs> did I heard I, about I, it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't break your rule or whatever. Um, and so then, like, my mom bought an apartment building and we rented it and stuff like that. And so we always worked our way up. And then after my grandmother passed, uh, I was going to a junior high school and I talk about this in my song Chicago being snatched off of a school bus because my my school was in like a rival fight with another school and they didn't as long as you had on that school uniform you were getting beat up oh, okay and that was just the volatile situation yeah and so after that and at the time I had a modeling contract <laughs> I was like 14 and this guy older brothers were gonna make him a man and so they singled out the one boy walking with five girls uh-huh. me of course coming from dance class uh and had his they're like, so tough that's what they're gonna, right, right? Yeah. we're gonna we're gonna attack the guy walking with girls yeah um and so me with my modeling contract even though i've my family my one of my cousins is a trained mma fighter we've all taken lessons in wrestling like i, I could crush a lot of people yeah but me being like, protect your face. <laughs> you have an audition tomorrow. Um, and so this kid beat me up, runs off. My mom, one, being very good friends with a lot of people in the police academy and stuff like that, uh, she knew instantly, <laughs> met me at the police station. They had already got the name of the person or whatever. And then my dad, who was on the other side of things, knew a lot of people in gangs, and I had 12 brothers and sisters, and so it was like, the cops were ready to get this guy, (laughs) and the gangs were ready to get this guy, and I was like, I am not, and even in that moment, I had enough wokeness to be like, okay, I'm not gonna ruin another kid's life. Uh I'm not hurt. You know what I mean? Like, there's still got the contract. There's no damage. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have, he didn't get the face, you know, like, (laughs) there's no bruises, and so it was fine, but my dad did circle the block a few times <laughs> and so the, the line in chicago is uh, i got snatched off of that school bus but i came back with a few cousins <laughs> um so that was the kind of like neighborhood that i grew up in and after that instance my mom was like okay i'm moving you to the suburbs there's an art school out here and so i started show choir at creep Lonely high school and that was life-changing because yeah. i got to I got to take a class about performing every day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That That is a major difference. Yeah. Yeah. To like um, go in class and they're like, okay, today we're going to talk about facials. And you're like, we're doing mud mask? And they're like, no, when you're on stage, you need to make facial expressions that convey the message. Oh, wow. And so we would have days where we would just focus on, like we wouldn't even sing out loud. We would just like... It would be the most bizarre thing to just see people <laughs> lip syncing mute. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, and it would be like, okay, who today had the best facial? And I would win a lot for, because I had big eyebrows and I could really sell the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which now works to my advantage too, because I, I see the craziest faces. Yeah. And then we have like action shots from uh-huh. the shows. And so when the camera's going like a million shots per second. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you just catch like the weirdest contorted <laughs> faces. You're just like, and I kind of, I learned to be okay with like looking goofy for a second if it gets the point across. Yeah, right. So I think that made me a much better performer. And then like all the dance lessons and stuff that went with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just learning to rehearse and uh, dedicate your time to something 
it was a really good experience and it really did change like my life and put me on a better path for mm-hmm. going to Columbia College and meeting photographers and stuff like that. Sure. But had I had I stayed in the school where I was getting jumped, you know, uh, when I think about a lot of those classmates, they're not in situations I want to be in. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And all of that must have really helped too when you did start doing drag. All of the stuff at the art school um really prepared me like I took theater makeup college words i took <laughs> hey, theater, listen, i did that like eight times yeah. so far i took theater makeup in uh college and that kind of that taught me how to glue down my eyebrows and i was like okay i don't have to shave them down like every other drag queen okay and so <laughs> it i because i was very reluctant to do drag because i thought that it would ruin my boy oh so, sure you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was too married to being like a cute guy uh-huh. for, and, and so, having eyebrows and having eyebrows <laughs> it's very important to me to this day. I, i'm looking up I, every drag race queen gets like a little work done after a couple oh, of years yeah, right and mine is going to be microblading i'm going to get <laughs> everybody else is like getting their cheekbones and stuff and i'm like i just want thicker brows yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah um being in art school definitely led me to drag through musical theater and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And eventually enough people saying, you know, you should just put on a wig already. <laughs> and you'd already been sort of playing around with cross-dressing. Yeah. So. I, I wouldn't, I would get extensions because my, oh, okay. my hair was growing out a little bit. And so I would have extensions and that was just my little unicorn persona. Yeah. And, and I knew that I didn't identify as trans i knew that i liked my body as it was Mm -hmm. um i just wanted longer hair (laughs) yeah yeah and so that was the thing and then i wanted and i would shave the sides of my hair and do like little makeup murals on my head it just took a while to get it going and then like i had to really shed like all of the masculine ideals that i was holding on to i was like because if i was in a relationship as a top i would feel like okay well i definitely got to put all my drag all my queer stuff away and Uh just be the man in the room and it took me a while to let that go and actually to be like yes i am i am the drag top i like this and i like this i like this and i like this (laughs) give me a second let me wash my face or don't (laughs) either way whichever yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) now did you find that um any of your boyfriends had any issue with it or was it an internal thing i think for the most part it was all in my head i think it's interesting a lot of things in life right yeah you discover you think that it's the other person yeah i or, think that they're putting this on to me but they're really not yeah yeah, yeah. um and i think most of my ex-boyfriends w- were probably drawn to me when i was being very androgynous and feminine sure and the more we dated i started trying to fit a role right and that just didn't work for either one of us <laughs> yeah. yeah um and then my last relationship i was in a three-year relationship and he was quite feminine and allowed me to be myself as well and it just worked that way because it was like we are who we are and uh, right on our, our first date which was actually just a hookup i was like do you want to watch drag race <laughs> it's the finale <laughs> so we watched violet get crowned and we ate chipotle <laughs> that's a like a time. great first date yeah yeah. Um, yeah and so that one i was like okay i can i can live this life <laughs> yeah. how'd you meet your drag mother my drag mother she came to a show savannah westbrook i was rapping live and i was being very androgynous i had on at that point it might as well have been drag i had on heels i had on a bra i had on a wig i had on very bad hip pads (laughs) um and my makeup was questionable but i did a show and when i tell you i was wearing heels i was wearing fetish stiletto okay six inch Uh uh-huh 
sloped heels and I did a dance number and I was rapping and she saw me and she was there just to sing mm-hmm. and she said I have a show you should really come next week or whatever and I was like yeah. okay yeah. sure and when I got there I, I got all dressed up and she booked me on the spot for the next week and I did it and it was my first time lip syncing Beyonce of course mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and then I remember so that was my first night, and then another queen had come, Kiki Van Cartier, who's my drag sister. Uh, great name. So great. And she, uh, she's a power ballad queen. She's a bigger queen, big pageant hair, all this stuff. So you have this brand new dancing queen and this new power ballad queen, and they only have room for one girl on the show. Oh, okay. So we kind of had to like battle it out. Uh-huh. And so I did my best Rihanna Nicki Minaj mix that I could muster up, and she did. I probably like, and I am telling you, or something. Okay, sure. And they couldn't choose between us, and so we both got casted for the show. Oh, that's great! A double save. Yeah, right? double save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with black people involved. How about it? Uh, and so that uh, was a great thing. And then Savannah took us under her wing and um she was very reluctant to call me her sister because she wanted to say that we were close in age (laughs) she was she's like i can't be your mother we're too young (laughs) but um no she definitely taught me the chops as it pertained to drag i was a good performer because of show choir and all of that stuff but um when it comes to drag, you have to, okay, you're going to do your dance routine, but don't forget to collect your tips. Get your money, girl. And like, right. There's a lot of spinning plates. Yeah. Yeah. Or like doing a ballad that's sad without making the audience sad. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, she talked me into doing Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart mm-hmm. in a gown with a short bob on. And I was so out of character for me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was the driest performance I've ever done. <laughs> I, I was tipped about $2 total. <laughs> and she says that I looked at her from the stage and she could just read my mind saying, never again, <laughs> never again, bitch. But the thing was, I was acting. And so I was yeah. sad and melancholy and all of that. Either, like, yeah. But when you do a ballet, you really just want to be glamorous and let the song play out. Sure. And like let people just like get swept in the fantasy. Right. But if you take them to a gut wrenching place, then you got to wash it off and let, right. know, like, and then the next number. Right. Yeah. <laughs> trying to be a comedy number and you're not, yeah. you leave the audience in a stank place. <laughs> so that was something I learned from her was uh, how to perform without and that's controlling the energy in the room too sure, is like right. what you're doing with your stage presence and how it affects everybody really uh, being aware of energy is the first step to yeah uh, controlling it yeah right yeah being like, how to read the room it's so important yeah. with so many things yeah um, i talked to like dancing queens say you know i've tried to just do a little but it's like i get bored on stage if i feel like i'm not exciting myself then yeah. you're gonna get three death drops and a jump split because i'm like y'all aren't making enough noise for me i need some more like yeah. let's wake these people up yeah uh so that's why i did eight shows in um six days and i have <laughs> i have a bruise going up from here to the knee that started on wednesday so i really should have stopped six days ago oh yeah right but, right now you've built the, the through the whole leg though yeah yeah but if I was to go out and just do a tiptoe, I would never forgive myself. Right. So it's worth the bruise because the other thing is hurts worse. Yeah. Yeah. Until when, next time you see me and I don't have a leg at all, then <laughs> my perspective will be a bit different. Right. But, sure. Then you can adapt. You can yeah. do different, different stunts. And then I'll, I'll try that ballad again. <laughs> <laughs> different wig, maybe. <sighs> a lo- mm. You know what I think really helps with uh, 
doing less on stage is having wind machines oh yeah, because if okay. you're standing still and your hair's still moving that's entertainment <laughs> that's, that, yeah you can watch that for a good long time yeah beyonce yeah. kills it <laughs> and she does a lot of dancing and all of that but something about her just standing there with the wind blowing really gets it yeah, yeah. and how many times have you seen beyonce i'm assuming you've seen beyonce I, oh yeah yeah well, i had a feeling I had yeah a feel, yeah yeah uh i my first time was Destiny Shouts last tour. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that was a really great start because she was already Beyonce, yeah. but she was still in Destiny's Child. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then I've seen the Beyonce experience, which was a completely perfect drag show, and uh the Formation World Tour. And I didn't see On the Run One, but I saw On the Run Two mm-hmm. twice this past summer. <laughs> I got to see it from the nosebleeds and on the floor. So. That's actually cool because you, you experience it in a totally different way with yeah. a big show like that. Yeah, seeing seeing a stadium show from the nosebleeds is great because you get to take in the gravity of how many people are here to enjoy this. And yeah, so, so it was like kind of like a wow, like we we really love her this much. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and then being like right next to the stage and being like, okay, I need to take notes on lights, dancers, okay, what are the cues? <laughs> I remember being at the second show and the guy next to me was like, are you okay? Because I was like just <laughs> stoic and stone-faced. Yeah. And I was like, I am taking notes. Like, <laughs> like I've seen this show already. I just want to know how it's done now. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. The weird part is, because uh, they have the two runways that come out into the audience. Mm-hmm. And so... I was on one side and Beyonce came down and like was standing right in front of me and then the stage elevated into the sky. Uh And I was like, what am I on? Because (laughs) Beyonce just walked up to my face and then flew into the heavens. (laughs) What is going on? But yeah, just she's always been a big leader in my um, drag persona. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it before then, I was always drawn to... To Wong Fu and then uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. Oh, yeah, sure. And like people like Vanessa Williams. Mm-hmm. And I think if you think of like that legacy trope where like Tina Turner, you can see the inspiration of Beyonce and Tina Turner. So, oh, sure. Of course, yeah. I was, I just hopped from one bandwagon to the next. Yeah. 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 No, it's a logical line. Yeah. Yeah. Your progress from when you started to getting on Drag Race is very quick. To, yeah. 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 It's, uh, well, because I, I knew makeup, so it just took me a while to get the hang of drag makeup. Yeah. And then once I did that, it was just all experiments. Maybe I want to do big brows. Maybe I want to do... And then I figured out what face I wanted to do. There was a season... Around season eight, I was Mm -hmm. doing a very convincing feminine face. Like, it was... The eyebrows were there, but I wasn't... It wasn't a lot of glitter. It wasn't a lot of frills. It was very just natural look, Mm -hmm. you know, um... And then I found these like gold glitter liners and started really doing crazy stuff with my eyes. And that's now kind of the signature that I'm known for is like the gold brows right. and everything. But yeah, if I would have gotten on season nine, you would have met a whole different queen. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which makes me think that by this time next year, who am I going to be? <laughs> well, I'm probably a little bit more pigeon held to a certain. Yeah. yeah just yeah. because the brand is there now. Sure. <laughs> I wrote the brand. <laughs> well, and what about music too? Because you've been putting music out since when? When was your first single out? Uh, well, this time last year, I put out Room Part One oh, right, when, yeah, when yeah. we got announced just to let people know that I had music. Yeah. But I didn't really have connections with enough producers to make an album. And I've been spending this year working on a completed album. And because I travel so much, 
and my producers are in Chicago. It's mm-hmm. very hard. And then my producers travel. So sure. uh, I'm getting home tomorrow night and my producer leaves for a month as soon as I get home. And so <laughs> Perfect. The, the album's been pushed back a month, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> but but uh, so that is coming soon. But I've been writing music since I was six years old. Yeah. Uh, I remember writing songs as a kid and my uncle would be like, why do you even know what this means? Uh-huh. Like, I would just make love songs based on love songs that I heard yeah, before. Sure. Yeah. And he'd be like, you don't, you don't know anything about this emotion. <laughs> and it's weird because now I'll pull up songs that I wrote a long time ago that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about when I wrote it. And yeah. now it means so much. Right, right. Like Tea Party, I wrote seven years ago and it was just me kind of projecting what kind of queen i wanted to be and like yeah. wanted to be in the club scene and like all of that stuff drinks on me you know like yeah that. sure and now it all makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like oh when i say put something in my cup to help me forget there's there's a lot of drugs that do that <laughs> and i'm like oh and i knew nothing about drugs at the time and i yeah. was just talking shit and yeah. now i've lived all of those experiences yeah so i'm very afraid of when i get inspired to write a song i'm like halfway predicting the future and so i'm like careful i try not to write bad things now <laughs> right. I'll, I'll remember them but if it's like something heinous i won't write it on paper yeah. like it's superstition yeah, I guess. well it makes sense though because a lot of it is manifestation yeah. yeah and then you repeat it and you rehearse it and then it that's gets right. into your yeah yeah and that's a back to that thing again about energy because what you put out into the universe you're actually Absolutely. asking for and calling to and you and it comes to you it does yeah uh my song chicago because when i was younger and i and um living in the hood and stuff like that a lot of times i didn't want to go outside because people would get in trouble or they'd be shooting stuff like that and like my mom didn't she didn't have me on a tight leash i could play with the kids and stuff like that but i would rather be in the house drawing and so Mm -hmm. i say um i miss my cousins and i love them and i hope that they're proud but growing up i wasn't allowed to hang out at their house i was the one who didn't allow me to hang out there because i didn't want to go somewhere that might get raided or something you know yeah sure and so i put it on myself a long time ago to stay out of trouble Mm -hmm. and then i say damn i did everything i said that i would do as a child like (laughs) literally i've been working towards this yeah so like even on the show when i get so like passionate about saying like this is my dream and everybody's like this is all of our dreams i'm like no you don't understand like my mother didn't say that I, I like no one forced me into this life no like i've literally from a child believed that i was a star in some yeah. kind of way and made those sacrifices to get that without anybody forcing me to you know or what even I mean? giving you guidance giving like me, oh well, you know, if that's what you want to do then yeah go here. you're just sort of following this light yeah, yeah i've just been like yeah. chasing my own path and so like to get on drag race and to do these things and be able to travel now and to look back at my six-year-old self and be like you were right you did it you <laughs> yeah, know like right you know like that's like it's like a lifelong validation that happened when i got the call to be on drag it was like it was like you're not crazy you you were gonna make it one day like that kind of thing yeah and then to have the experience i had on drag race is, is a is a different blow <laughs> <laughs> but um it's still it feels good to know that something that i work towards and I can, that if I work hard enough, I really can make it happen. Yeah. Because a lot of people who are working towards their goals don't really believe that they can get it. You know what I mean? And sometimes people who aren't working that hard get there and that can really be a blow to people who are working really no, hard. Certainly, you can really screw with their morale. That's why people get mad at the Kardashians. It's like, well, what are they doing? And it's like, there's work involved, but it doesn't feel like the work that you're doing. And so you right. feel like what you're doing doesn't matter. 
I don't watch it, but uh-huh. it's like, look, these things happen. Like, who yeah. knows how, why they happen? Yeah. But it also means that there's opportunities that no one ever thought would exist. So right. maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, maybe just look for your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It won't yeah. look anything like that. But yeah. there's things out there. You never yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, I think if I wasn't casted for season 10, I probably definitely wouldn't have, it, I wouldn't have auditioned for season 11. But if I had that year, because I was already on a momentum in Chicago as an activist queen and like everything like that, especially with Black Girl Magic, I think I would have been in a place, I might not have been traveling as much or as Mm -hmm. popular, but I definitely would have been fulfilled in a way. Sure, yeah. Because, you know, I've always wanted to be a star in that way. And then in growing up, I became more tied to activism and uh, doing that kind of work and so i think if i had an extra year to live in that yeah i would probably still be talking to you in some kind of way you know what i mean <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. yeah it just would have taken a slightly different route yeah and the activism when did that start roughly what age it's really hard to say uh one of my first time that i remember protesting something was in seventh grade we had a um a leak in our library that was right at the stairs so like you you walk through the door and you're getting dripped water uh, yeah and it went on for about three weeks and we were like really <laughs> like <laughs> this is cool like with you guys no yeah, one yeah. there's not even a bucket no yeah. one's gonna and so <laughs> and then like there was like rumors of it being like asbestos connected and stuff mm-hmm. like that. and so we took a day off of school and like and there was like a photo of me with caution tape wrapped around my mouth and like a hoodie on holding up a sign that's my earliest memory of like being that person yeah and it it is a bug you kind of you feel like you've made a difference i remember a hello like a wgn helicopter flying over and like Mm -hmm. getting like the shot of me and i'm like oh wow i'm like here i am in my little person this but because i'm making enough noise it's going to reach other people right and uh yeah that's addictive yeah (laughs) sure and i imagine also that early on with that you started to experience that thing where other people who maybe should be for what you're fighting for i have a sort of weird resistance yeah and that uh that rings for me in michael jackson songs they don't really care about us uh-huh. uh i remember one of my first protest drag performances i went to do that song and i was listening to the lyrics and i started crying because i had to think of that song was written 80s early 90s and everything in it is still necessary today and i was like why is this fight still and it just like really yeah. wrenched me and now of course it's not even cool to do michael jackson music anymore <laughs> so it's like oh uh, so yeah that's really weird um yeah so for me it was like you can make a difference but and i think even with drag race i forgot that just because you got to the mountaintop doesn't mean you'll be heard. <laughs> so, so that was a blow to my reality. But um, do you think that might might have helped in a way because it, you were like, okay, there's still this problem of reaching people. Yeah, for some reason, I I guess I had it in my mind that like once I got on Drag Race, all the problems would be solved. Well, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. it's such a massive thing. Yeah, and then you think, well, my reach is going to be so big, and like people are want to hear right the truth, right? Or yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, y'all. We want to hear the truth, right? Unless it's inconvenient for us. Well, yeah, and that was the realization of like, oh, maybe not. All right, and so now I've had like a year to recalibrate and think about how I'm thinking about the work that needs to be done from this platform. Sure. Yeah. Now 
What's your relationship with World of Wonder now? Like, would you go to DragCon? You'd mentioned DragCon New York before, so you've been at one before. I've been, I did, I did too. I did DragCon LA last year and DragCon New York last year. Uh, This year, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to devote that time and energy to music and music videos. Yeah. Uh, But me and World of Wonder, they haven't called, (laughs) I'll say. Okay. Um, You know, before the reunion, there was... You know, they would mention every now and then, you know, you never know when all stars. We haven't haven't had that (laughs) haven't had that talk in a while. Morgan McMichaels in a recent episode just like popped up and did like a something and popped out. That would that would be fun. I think I probably couldn't do it with Rue in the room. (laughs) (laughs) And that that's my thing about All Stars is for the fans and like for drag and for my love of drag, I would love to go on the show again and show an elevated version of myself but i just don't think that there's a possibility sure yeah but you'd be open to it if they presented it to you maybe i think it would be good for me and Ru to have a sit down it'd be interesting to see yeah as well i think that would be actually very helpful to everyone yeah if we could get that cleared up yeah then i, w- I would be willing to move for it i'm sure everyone knows where to reach you but yeah. let's get, get through all the uh, socials and oh, yeah. websites and everything follow me everywhere at the vixens world except my venmo is the vixen bitch <laughs> very important to have that differentiation yeah <laughs> yes and even the vixensworld.com why don't we close with the song we referenced at the beginning yeah room part two room part two featuring shea kool-aid fabulous well thanks so much for joining me the vixen Thank i'm so you. glad it worked out yeah i'm so glad we got it <laughs> Next room and you will see Melanin, all the 
boys stopping, they on, they oon. I'm sitting here schooling, tins, tins, they all will scream. Cause I'm dunking on these hoes like my name's Kareem. <laughs> Whatever I choose, it's my rules. I'm just glad I'm not you. Uh, I bet you can't stand me now. Huh? Good luck with my hand-me-downs, huh? You got caught with your panties down. Fuck a crown, bitch. I'm coming for a Grammy now. Let me get my tens, bitch. Don't forget it. Yep, I wrote that shit and you ran the Reddit. Time to give me my checks, bitch. Run my credit. Don't blame the edit. If I said it, I said it. I said it. I said it. Myself and myself said, you are the flyest bitch in the room. No other guy put it down like you. They can't do that. Can you do Yeah. <laughs>